My tea is too fucking hot to drink, Paul. Thanks for asking. Friday, August 18th, 2017, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Molly Quell, contributing editor at Dutch News and Netherlands summer weather escapee. And with me today is my fellow contributing editor at Dutch News and the country's best blogger, Gordon Derrick, and Paul Paters, civil engineering master student and general cranky old man. Thank you, uh, Molly. You're welcome. I'm so mad that you wouldn't come out and have a beer with me the other night, so Uh, I'm calling you a cranky old man. We should catch up with the beers. We should do that. But Gordon had some excellent blog posts. The the your interview with uh or not interview but your thing about Theo Janssen I really liked. Oh, was uh, yeah, I saw him on the on the beach. He's the guy who's got the strength beast. Yeah, strength beast to the the sort of giant plastic walking crabs. Right. That, uh, the, the, the powered by the wind. Oh, that ca- thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, to, I was I was up on the beach on Wednesday and I just happened to catch him there and he was doing a talk, a little talk to a sort of little audience. Of, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was uh, interesting. It's good. Is he still making new ones? He is. Yeah, and he's constantly sort of uh, improving the design. His ultimate aim is to, to build one that can move completely independently so that even after he's died, they'll carry on living, as it were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, they had an exhibition of his stuff at the Prinzenhof in Delft, and there were some really weird ones. Like, he went through a phase where he was doing it with, like, metal and concrete, which mm-hmm. was... Maybe not as effective as, as the plastics and stuff. But yeah, it was really cool. So how was everyone's summer vacation? Well, uh, I stayed in the Netherlands. My plan was to go to the beach whenever the weather was nice. But unfortunately, we had, I think, two days of nice <laughs> weather. So uh, my summer summer holiday plans were um, uh, sabotaged by the weather, unfortunately. But you two were, you two guys, you, you were in Germany, both of you. Yeah, both what, of us were in Germany. What yeah, kind was... of secret Dutch news uh, meeting was this? No, no, we actually Why wasn't to, I invited? We actually went to avoid each other. So yeah. Oh. Each other. Was, yeah. While we, he was in Munich, I was just outside Munich, about uh, 50, <laughs> 50 kilometers south. We sh- well, we planned yeah. it this way yeah. so that we would not have to interact <laughs> so with each other. Cross. Yeah. And there was nothing, uh, nothing interesting with the coalition that happened anyway, so. No need for an emergency Dutch no, news podcast. No, 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 indeed. Yeah, and I was also very glad to get down here on my bike this morning. Now I've discovered that men's bikes are apparently extremely dangerous. Yes, they are <laughs> yes. very dangerous. How was? Do you have a man's? Uh, a I man's do have a man's bike. bike yes. Uh, and yes, have you uh, kicked your child in the face attempting to no, put them on the bike at some not point? Not yet. No, no, I've managed to avoid that so far. Okay. Yeah, now they don't really sit on the backs; so they're too big for it. Yeah. So, uh, but no, I, but I did fall off one time, and it's certainly true that the, the the reasoning is that they're more dangerous because when you fall off, you you're sitting higher, so your head hits the ground, and uh, yeah. there was a time I, I fell off on ice. The bike just slid underneath me. I, I couldn't. So I just had to fall with it. Basically, I couldn't get off because I had this big pole between my legs. Right. Whereas if I'd been on a sort of women's design bike, I might be able to step off right. before I hit the ground. Yeah, I don't understand why they uh, people use these men's bikes. The little U-framed Oma feet thing yeah. is so much easier they to look really manly. And tough. It's yeah, you know. <laughs> look, if your masculinity is that <laughs> fragile, Gordon. I'm speaking for myself here. <laughs> This week, we'll tell you exactly what has been going on with the Dutch egg scandal, update you on the latest in the coalition talks, and for our discussion, we'll be doing a roundup of all the news we missed over the summer holidays. Our top story this week is the egg crisis, which began on the 31st of July, when the Dutch Food Safety Board issued a warning that eggs from seven chicken farms contained the toxic insecticide Vipronil. According to the authorities, in one case there was even a direct threat to public health and safety. The safety board published a list of the codes printed on the eggs that should not be eaten. 
All seven chicken farms turned out to have hired a company called ChickFriend, which apparently used the forbidden insecticide when combating lice. Further investigation by the safety board found that a total of 180 farms had hired this company and all were temporarily shut down. At the beginning of August, supermarkets decided to remove the contaminated eggs from their shelves and some even removed all eggs as a precautionary measure. Tens of millions of eggs had to be destroyed and according to the AD, 1.5 million hens have been slaughtered, leading to an estimated loss of 150 million euros for the industry. As the scandal developed and fibronil eggs were found all over Europe, it became clear that the Belgian Food Safety Board had already warned their Dutch counterparts about the presence of fibronil in Dutch eggs in June. But after an inspection, the Dutch Safety Board couldn't find the pesticide at the chick friend company. It was also reported that the Safety Board had received an anonymous tip about the use of fibronil on chicken farms in November 2016. So guys, I'm uh, happy to see that we all survived the summer despite the uh, dangers of eating eggs. Well, I was in Germany eating German eggs. I was eating German eggs as well. Yeah. Oh, the German eggs are fine? It seems like Apparently. the German eggs are fine. So, Paul, does this mean that I can't eat uh, eat cookies or cakes or pies or anything else that contains eggs? Well, um, yeah, the Dutch Safety Board assured us that we can all safely eat our cookies because the probability that uh, a cookie has a too high level of fibronil is, is, is very low. But I'm sure the Safety Board is double-checking every product that uh, contains eggs right now. It means I can't make my own cookies because there's no eggs to be found. Uh, well, the eggs that are now in the shelves are fine. Are fine. Yeah, okay. so uh, you can safely uh, bake cookies, Molly. Very no excuse. Cool. Yeah, no excuse. Next week we'll have cookies. <laughs> Good. And what are the uh, possible consequences for the Chick Friend company? Uh, the public prosecutor announced that the two owners of the company has been arrested earlier this week and they will remain in custody for at least two more weeks. Um, the two are under investigation of an economic crime rather than endangering public health. The main suspect's name, by the way, is Matthijs Ei. Of course it is. <laughs> you of cannot make this up. And um, this comes on top of the spokesperson's uh, name for the poultry farm organization. Her name is uh, Henny de Haan. Molly, can you translate that name? Yeah, it's uh, it's Hen, Henny the Hen the Cock or something like yeah, that, right? Yeah. yeah. On a serious note, though, <laughs> Parliament has been called back uh, from their summer break, which is actually the first time this summer MPs were called back, so they had a nice and quiet summer holiday. Uh, well, obviously, MPs have a lot of questions regarding the scandal. Um, they want to know how it's possible the, the safety board only came into action at the end of July when they were notified with this anonymous tip in November. Um, the Animals Right Party has further questions regarding the killing of 1.5 million chickens, uh, as well as concerns about the use of toxics and pesticides in the chicken farm industry. When we left for our summer break four weeks ago, we hoped we'd have a new government to report on when we came back. But six months after the election, the talks are still going on between the four parties trying to form a coalition. Which, just to remind you, is Mark Rutter's Liberal Party, the Christian Democrats, D66 and the Christian Union. Part of the reason is that they've taken a summer break themselves, although leaked reports in the AD newspaper this week suggest they are close to a deal on some of the most sensitive issues on the agenda. D66's plan for an end-of-life law that would allow anyone over 75 to request assisted suicide will not be in the coalition agreement, which is one of the Christian Union's demands, but in return the laws on embryo research are likely to be extended. So Gordon, do we know who's leaking? This this has been, there's been some serious leaks. There's been some serious leaks, yes, so seemingly a kind of draft coalition agreement has been leaked to, to the ID, and uh, given that this document's only been seen by about, I think, nine people, because there's 
two negotiators for each party and Kerat Zalm, who's chairing the talks. Yeah, so he distributed this document uh, in the morning and in the afternoon it was yeah, leaked it was to the other newspaper, day. Yeah, the newspapers yeah. had it. So one of those eight people, or possibly Zalm himself, who knows, has been leaking it. But we don't know who's leaked it. Uh, there was a bit of a... Kerat uh, Yanisekas, the leader of the Christian Union particularly, was outraged that, that the document had leaked out. But they had a discussion about it on uh, on Monday and by the end of it, Sekas seemed to have mellowed a bit, but they hadn't really found out. And it didn't look like fake outrage or something, so I think we can... Uh, 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 no, he seemed pissed. No, I think yeah. we can rule him. He was mad. I think we can rule him out. I think yeah. We can rule him out, yeah. yeah. I think because you don't have any real motivation to leak it either. Probably one of the other three, but they haven't found out who it was. Um, Mark Ritter tends to prefer radio silence in, uh, throughout his talks, so it's, it was kind of striking that there was any kind of leaked news at all. But the talks are now back on track. The one thing to say from this leaked document is it, it looks as if the um, they are very close to an agreement, so it could be the effect, one effect of this is it really commits the four parties to staying together because there's no alternative to this combination. So if anyone dropped out at this stage, it would you know, look really bad on them. And everyone seemed fine with the, uh, with the agreement. Uh, yeah, and no, nobody really criticised it in yeah. any great detail. It's been, even Deses and Sester, who were the party, have obviously had to make the concessions. Yeah. Um, and the other detail that came out is... Um, Hang on, I, have, I want to do a little... <laughs> Sorry, yeah. yeah, so... Yeah. Uh, well, there were some things that uh, that took some criticism. I did <laughs> see that the uh, the compulsory lessons on the national anthem took a beating on Twitter. What uh, what was going on with that? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. Well, the, 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 this is the big drive by the Christian Democrats. They, they wanted originally, I think you might remember, Seabot Boomer uh, said he wanted all children to stand up and sing the national anthem every morning in school. Well, it hasn't quite gone that far, but there are going to be kind of compulsory lessons on the national anthem. So children are going to learn in school exactly why they um, swear allegiance to the King of Spain every every time they sing the national anthem <laughs> and that's, all fifteen verses. Yeah, that's that's tough because uh, for the Imbrachering, I only had to know three verses: the first, second, and what is it? The sixth, the, the seventh. Sixth, yeah, yeah. It's the most common. So poor school children have to learn all fifteen verses. Yeah, yeah and terrible. they get a little booklet at the age of eighteen about yeah. uh, Dutch history. Yeah, and Dutch values. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, which doesn't really include any details about slavery of all all that uh, nasty stuff. Uh, but who do you think uh, leaked the? Uh, the document. Who was it? I think we can kind of safely rule out uh, the Christian Uni, and uh, if if it was, and, and you kind of think that uh, if it was D sixty six, that's a really risky strategy for them, given the trust between them and the Christian Uni is quite fragile. So I would sort of lean towards one of the other two. I yeah, but Rutte is really uh, hammering on radio silence, <laughs> and uh, he's always like, whenever something leaks, that isn't good for the process. So I don't think Rutte is. Uh, I think it was Rutte. I think he's yeah. just. I think he yeah. was tired of the egg scandal could, being in the front pages of the newspapers. I, I think it's uh, Alexander Pechtold. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. He wanted to test this agreement. Test the, water. the problem is, if he, if, he, if he gets caught, if it does come back to them, if he gets caught out, then that's pretty much ruined his relationship with the Christian Uni. Right. Yes, so and it's, it's already fragile, yeah. yeah. Yeah, on the other hand, it could be Rutter with a double vote because Rutter is so inscrutable. He kind of, you know, think he could be in a double bluff. On the other hand, you know, the, the news that's come out is quite positive for the, the CDR as well. Yeah. That they've got their national anthem plan in, so maybe there's an incentive for them as well. Yeah. So who do you think leaked it? Send your uh, suspicions to uh, Dutch News uh, yeah. Podcast at DutchNews.nl. Yeah, if you uh, if you know who leaked, yeah. send your uh, send your tips yeah. to podcast. Leak your leaking information. Leak your leaking information. Yeah. <laughs> so Gordon, any. Uh, Good political news. Uh, one good uh, piece of news that's come out politically is that the economy is doing better than uh, the uh, forecast. The CBS, the statistics office, has uh, revised its forecast upwards. GDP grew by one and a half percent in the second quarter, so they're now predicting that if that's sustained, the annual growth rate will be three point three percent, which would make the 
Netherlands one of the fastest growing economies in the world at the moment. Yes. Uh, unemployment's falling as well. It's uh, down under 5% and it's uh, about to keep on falling. So we've now got a budget surplus of 7 billion euros. Although there is a bit of a sting in the tail because um, they now do a kind of more longer term projection in the wake of the financial crisis to test whether the um, uh, what, what your spending commitments or things like uh, you know, sort of pensions, care for the elderly, and that kind of thing, could impact, and, and that and that predicts that actually we'll need to hold back about five billion of that seven billion, um, okay, to to keep the economy um, uh, sustainable. So that leaves them with about one point seven billion to spend, and of course the budget's coming up next month, uh, the third Tuesday in September. So, so yeah. what happens if there's no uh, coalition formed by uh, by Budget Tuesday? Uh, well, then the budget will have to be put together by the uh, outgoing government, the caretaker government, okay. and actually they're starting to meet next week on the assumption there won't be a government in place uh, so the Labour and um, Liberal parties will get together and put together a kind of like a holding budget because they're not really meant to introduce any big policy measures when they're only a caretaker government but on the other hand some ministers in the old government have signalled that they do want to put in a few kind of uh, sophisticated measures like uh, Lord Vagasa who's a social affairs minister has said he won't sign off any budget unless there's a substantial increase in pay for teachers so there are going to be a few um, points of debate even though these are controversial topics Yes, on the whole, on the face of it, they are. But on the other hand, when you've got 1.7 billion to spend, you know, you, you, then you do have to make, you know, and you can't really avoid making sort of politically motivated decisions. So yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what they come up with. The nation's biggest ophef this week continued as the owner of an Amsterdam apartment denied that cooking restrictions were part of a rental agreement. The scandal started when an Iraqi woman, Misa Munaf, requested to see two apartments facilitated by executive home rentals in Amsterdam. She got an email reply, which she posted on Twitter, that the properties were only suitable for people who cook the, quote, Western way, and elaborated that it was not suitable for cooking for long hours and with lots of herbs. The director of the company, Michiel Rotring, told the NL that the use of the word Western was unfortunate, but that the apartments were sensitive to smell transfers. The apartment's owner, Caroline van den Nesta, told the Volkskrant this week that her and her husband made no cooking-related stipulations when dealing with the rental agency. Further, the Homeowners Association of the building has said that it has received no smell-related complaints from other residents. The rental agency claims that the cooking request was at the behest of the owners and the homeowners association. The rental house cooking dust-up comes on the heels of another rental ad for an apartment in Amsterdam, which, despite having a full kitchen, stipulated that the tenants could not cook in the apartment. So, Gordon, what's going on here? Yeah, this seems to be a kind of uh, some kind of um, blame game uh, merry-go-round because uh, the agency originally blamed the owners, and then when uh, the owners said no, it, it was nothing to do with us, they didn't try to blame the Owners Association, the FAFA, who said no, we've never had any issues either. Um, I think you have to take it all the way back and blame the people who started the international spice trade in the 17th century. I would agree with that <laughs> yeah. statement. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the real problem is here that there's a you know a big cultural clash between how the Dutch cook and how everyone else cooks. Yeah. Uh, the the Dutch cooking is, I think, as you described it, just an assault on vegetables. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, so, basically, you just have to get your made vegetables in a big pot and mash them to death. Right. If, if you're stirring more than you're battering, uh, then you're doing it wrong. You're doing it yeah. wrong. Yeah. 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 Personally, I would. I'd be inclined to. If I moved into this property, I'm inclined to spend the whole time cooking snout. Yeah. Which is a well-known <laughs> Dutch pea soup, yeah. which uh, you have to spend about three days preparing and smells of blocked drains. Right. Yeah. Yeah, or uh, or boring coal, which stinks when you cook it. I mean, yeah. I think it's quite tasty in a in a in a good stomp pot, but mm-hmm. it's not the most uh, delicious. Not smelling. most aromatic yeah, dish. Yeah, exactly. Can, uh, and it hangs for for days in your kitchen. Yeah, in yeah. Your or, uh, or 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 just serve platters of haring, which also 
stink, <laughs> I think. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, the Dutch are not off the hook here with, with bad-smelling uh, food yeah. culture. Or stunk over lust. Yeah. My favorite Dutch words. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a beautiful word. It's a great <laughs> word. A 33-year-old man was arrested on Thursday after he took a woman hostage in the Media Park in Hilversum. The Media Park is the heart of Dutch radio and television and is home to a large number of studios, radio stations and broadcasters such as the NOS. According to the NOS, uh, the woman who was an employee of Radio 3FM was stopped by a man who forced her with a knife into the radio station's building. The police sent in a negotiator, but after he appeared to be unsuccessful, the man was taken into custody by an anti-terrorism police team. So do we know what the man's uh, motivations were? Uh, well, that is yet unknown, but the receptionist of the 3FM offices told NOS that the man demanded in broken Dutch to speak to someone from American news channel CNN. This incident is reminiscent um, on an incident in January 2015, when an armed 20-year-old chemistry student was able to force himself into an NOS studio in a live broadcast, and um, it will uh, raise questions regarding the media park's overall security. Yeah. Although the mayor of um, Hilversum, I think, uh, said yesterday that he didn't think there was any need for extra security measures. But why not? Well, <clears throat> they, they, um, uh, uh, I think he said they'd reviewed it in the, in the wake of the obviously the assassination of Pim Fortown, which is also on the media park, and he didn't see any need for extra extra security. So, okay. even though there's just been hostage taking. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I think his argument was you can't you can't uh, totally avoid you know risk on a large area where people come and go and go a lot. No, okay, but we have uh, three incidents now mm. in front of the same building actually, because I think Bimfordan was shot in front of the three FM building. Car park, yeah. it, it seems clear to me that they need to. Uh, do something about this. Yeah, possibly. Apparently not. No. Did this um, mean 3FM went off the air at all? Uh, well, no. They were broadcasting from a Zeeland campsite when the hostage took place. So beside the continuing rain, their broadcast wasn't interrupted. Oh, lucky them. So just a typical Dutch beach summer broadcast. Exactly. Lots of Sport now, and it's been one of the most successful summers ever for the Netherlands sports stars. Undoubtedly the highlight was the women's football team winning the World Cup in imperious fashion. The Lionesses took a full advantage of hosting the tournament to beat Denmark 4-2 in the final, in a match that was watched by more than 4 million people on TV. They also dispatched England 3-0 in the semi-finals, and Lika Martens was named the tournament's outstanding player. At the World Athletics Championships, Daphne Schippers retained her 200m title and added a bronze medal in the 100m. Sifan Hassan got a bronze in the 5000m. Women's cycling tours of Italy and France were won by Anna van der Brechen and Annemiek van Vloten, respectively. And swimmer Ranomi Komowijoyo set a world record in the 50 metres freestyle, becoming the first woman to break 23 seconds. So I'm not hearing a whole lot about the men, Gordon. What have, what have the men been up to? Uh, it's true, the men's sport has kind of been eclipsed by their uh, female counterparts uh, this summer. Uh, apart from Tom Dumoulin, who won the Giro d'Italia back in May, um, other than that, they've pretty much uh, drawn a blank. At the athletics, uh, Elko St. Nicholas was supposed to be a contender in the decathlon, but he pulled out with a hamstring injury. Yes, um, but there was a um, there was one uh, 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 men's success story, which had to do with a uh, a photo of the water polo team. I yes, believe. I think the men's water polo team are going to get a very uh, enthusiastic reception when they turn up for their tournament in uh, Taiwan uh, this week, because um, one of them posted a photograph of the whole team um, in very very short tight uh, speedo trunks um, on social media and uh, this uh, apparently went down a storm in Taiwan where such photos apparently are, are rarely seen um, so th that photograph by the way is on the dutchnews.nl uh, website um, and it's it's 
worth looking at, I think. Yeah, I think we've kind of come full circle, haven't we? Because now the women do all the serious business of winning things and the men just provide the eye candy. <laughs> right, that's exactly right. Eva Yinek was very sad because they uh, arrived back in the Netherlands on the sec- 2nd of September and that's the day after her show ends, so oh. she was very sad. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> yeah. Was everyone swept up by the women's football success? Uh, not everybody. Um, uh, Willem van Hanegem, who was uh, one of the great um, uh, men's players in his day in the 1970s, a member of the 1974 team that uh, runners up in the World Cup, but this isn't his day, really, seemingly. And he, he said he, in his uh, column in the Ad A, that he very begrudgingly um, congratulated the women's uh, team uh, before saying he could only name about seven members of the squad and uh, then started talking about uh, the men's club teams instead, uh, which caused a bit of ophef on Twitter. And uh, I believe the coach of PSV also uh, said to uh, voice similar sentiments just before his team were knocked out of the UEFA Cup. So perhaps he should sign some of the women players um, for his team. So yeah, but they could use the help in, uh, in the PSV. Yeah. 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 yeah, and Ajax continued the uh, um, men's uh, recent tradition last night when they went down 1-0 in the home leg of their Champions League qualifying game to uh, that, those Norwegian giants, Rosenborg. Always a challenge, Rosenborg. So we can just agree objectively i think here that women are better than men and that men should spend all of their time trying to look nice for water polo uh, uh photos yeah and i look forward to responses to that comment on uh, on our website absolutely we will be discussing all of the news you missed over your summer holiday after this word from our sponsors here in holland is a new podcast for internationals living in the netherlands It is a twice-weekly podcast which focuses on the stories of internationals and expats. The podcast covers topics from manners to chance encounters, and they interview the Dutch and non-Dutch alike to get their insights, advice and stories, ranging from the funny to the sad. Here in Holland is currently creating an entirely crowdsourced podcast and welcomes your submissions. You can send your stories via WhatsApp. Find more information on their website, www.hereinholland.com. The podcast is available in iTunes and other podcasting apps. If you are interested in reaching an international audience with your product or service, you can email to podcast at dutchnews.nl for our competitive advertising rates. We've been away for a month. I've been enjoying hammams in Turkey. Gordon has been enjoying camping in Germany. And Paul has mostly been enjoying Twitter here in the Netherlands. Since we've all been off, there's been a number of interesting news stories. And we wanted to update you on what happened while you were stuck in traffic in Belgium or stuck in line at Schiphol. In my favorite summer news story, the public prosecution department has decided not to take legal action against a porn company, which used a Catholic church in Tilburg as the setting for one of its films. The church made a complaint after the film was broadcast, including scenes of porn star Kim Holland having sex in the confessional booth. But the prosecution department said, quote, we consider it to be insulting and showing a lack of respect, but we do not think the law has been broken. So it's been established now that it's not illegal to film porn it's in It's not church. illegal to film porn in church. Although Kim Holland, I believe, has now apologized to uh, the priest. Yeah, she did, she did apologize. Yeah, did she say, forgive me, Father, for I've sinned? <laughs> <laughs> it would be great if that was the title to the porn. <laughs> This summer also saw the birth of yet another marvel of Dutch engineering, as the world's largest underground bike park opened its doors on the 8th of August in Utrecht. The bike park is located next to Utrecht's main railway station and has space for 6,000 bikes, but will have a capacity of 12,500 bikes upon completion. The current record holder is Tokyo, with a bike park which has space for 8,500 bikes. I'm uh, surprised that Amsterdam doesn't have more space for 8,500 bikes. Well, they have bikes. a boat. 
Oh, right. Do you, do you yeah. know that boat? Yeah, there's a boat. But that's not an underground uh, parking oh, space. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Delft could use a few of those extra uh, underground. Yeah, we have a very nice underground parking uh, area. For like but eight people. For uh, like eight people. You, you'd never you be able never, to find yeah. a space. Yeah. yeah, you'll never find your bike after you've parked it. Either. Yeah, well, that's, that's always a problem. With, yeah. Amsterdam City Council upset some people on social media by changing the way it addresses people in official correspondence. From now on, council letters will be addressed best to Amsterdammers rather than the more traditional geachte heer of mevrouw. Because the council wants to be more gender neutral and inclusive when it tells people about uh, their parking charges going up or their street being shut for six months, other suggestions for avoiding gender-specific forms of address are geachte bewoner, dear resident, beste reizigers, dear travellers on public transport, or beste aanwezigen at public gatherings. Yeah, Amsterdam suffered a bit of... They always claim to be the gay capital of the world, and uh, because of recent incidents, they are losing this name, so they are trying to, uh, you know, be a more gay-friendly city. I think even, you know, sort of taking the gender issues out of it, Besta Amsterdamers just sounds an, a lot nicer to like a non-native Dutch speaker yeah. than yeah. the other one. It sounds much nicer, that's true. Also, the Netherlands got a new ambassador from the United States when President Donald Trump appointed Pete Hoekstra to the post. Hoekstra was born in the Netherlands, but raised in the U.S., and is known for his staunchly conservative views and, unsurprisingly, his opposition to Muslim immigration and Islam in general. Hoekstra contributed to a 2015 panel on immigration in Europe, in which he called Muslim immigration, quote, stealth jihad, and claimed the Netherlands is filled with no-go zones. So, so what particularly is this no-go zone? I think it's Lelystad. Uh, I thought it it was some areas of the Hague, I was told, are, are no-go zones in no, some parts of Rotterdam. Like the Schilders fight that I cycled through this morning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did you get Did well, you get stoned I, for I, not... I went and it was started doing call it no-go zone. Yeah, <laughs> I want to um, pitch an article about uh, just going to all the no-go zones and just yeah. eating some nice food and like <laughs> sitting in a nice Reviewing cafe. the no-go zones. Reviewing the no-go yeah. zones. Yeah. Yeah. zones, yeah. And eating food that's been cooked in a non-Western way. Right, exactly. <laughs> With lots of herbs for many hours. Uh, well, that's all that we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of DutchNews.nl. Everything we've talked about this week will be linked in the liner notes. You can send your comments about the podcast to podcast at DutchNews.nl. My thanks to Gordon Derrick and Paul Paters. I'm Molly Quell, and we'll be back next week. That's it. It's over. The podcast is done. Turn your podcast app off.